I want to start by talking to you about your very earliest memories of fashion, because you're always the person who's reporting on fashion and interviewing people and talking to them. But I want to find out where your point, where you, fashion first sort of entered your consciousness was. I, I used to, uh, I think my grandmother used to get Life magazine when I was really young. And um, I think Life magazine was actually, the original Life magazine, was actually the way that a lot of people found out about the world. And it was so, that it was so varied, all the stories they had. And I remember stories about the factory, for example, like Warhol's factory and pictures of Edie Sedgwick. And, and, and they're hopping around in, in tiny little mini dresses and being kooky. <laughs> and I, I suppose that was probably, well, the very, very first fashion image I ever remember was Jean Shrimpton. <laughs> is really dating myself. Um, she went to the races when she was in Melbourne and she wore, I think, a Mary Quant smock dress. Um, and no, it wasn't a smock, it was a A-line something right there. And it was about three inches above the knee. And Australia came shuddering to a standstill. <laughs> People were shocked, horrified. She, her hair was, she didn't have a hat on. And it was the races. Um, and she was supposed to have a hat and a long dress, I guess. And that, I think, that was that that would be my first memory of a fashion, mm. a fashion moment. I'm interested um, that you mentioned the factory because I've read before in interviews that you you were obsessed like Andy Warhol and this whole idea of the factory. Why was it? Was it the glamour, the sense of rebellion? What was it that sort it of? It was. You know, if I had a time machine, I would go to the factory in 1965 and six. Um, it. I don't know, I think it was just, I love the music, I love the art, um, I love the people, I love the, f the sort of, the freakiness of, the pe of these people really appealed to me when I was growing up. Uh, they looked amazing in, in um, you know, those drag queens like Candy Darling and Jackie Curtis and uh, Hollywood Lawn. I saw those movies, you know, when I was young, the Trash and Heat and Flesh. And it just looked like a scene you wanted to be a part of. I remember Lou Reed in an interview once said if he'd been reading about the factory and he couldn't get there, he would have killed himself because it would, it would just um, a bit dramatic. But I didn't quite feel like that. But I just knew it was a world I was destined to be a part of and unfortunately I missed out on all of it. So, you know, it just, it just it seemed incredibly kind of sexy and decadent and you know everything that teenagers are drawn to at a certain time in their lives. So how old were you when you went to university? You were 15, 15 is that right? Yeah. What was that like? What was the effect of that? Well I looked being? quite old. <laughs> 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 I had a friend, I remember I said to her, all my friends of course were much older than me. I mean they were sort of university student age and I, I remember I said to this woman I was hanging around with, well how old do you think I am? She said, oh about 26. I thought, oh, not only did she think I was older than I was, she thought I was a mature student, <laughs> which uh, was a bit of a shock. But um, no, I, the only problem was, because I was so young, everybody assumed I'd had all the experiences that they'd already had, which meant that it was quite hard. It was always hard for me to catch up, because if ever I wanted to have sex or take drugs or something, people would go, oh, you've done that. You don't need to do that again. I was like, I haven't. Yeah. I'm ready, but, you know. It was a sort of a, it, the disconnect lasted for a long time. Um, I read an interview you did with another and you said something which really struck me. You said that you've been doing this for so long and you've been sort of in the fashion circus but relatively little is known about you and I thought that was such a telling comment because there is such a sort of circus, the fashion celebrity at the moment. But you have kind of kept this, kept or cultivated, I don't know which of the two, this degree of separation. Well, I, th I think what I was probably 
what I probably meant at that point is that I actually hadn't really been interviewed before. Mm. You know, I'd been doing interviews for years. I'd been doing interviews for oh, more than 20 years. And my approach to what I did was always that it was never about me. It was always about, you know, how why would it, it was about who I was talking to. I mean, I mean, so I was very much, when I was doing, I did this show called Fashion File for a long time. Mm. And um, it was always a, about the designer, the model, the stylist, the hairdresser, whatever. And I, I thought I was relatively, I was a facilitator. Um, and then it's funny because as there's been this enormous boom of interest in fashion, it's kind of rolled out to everybody associated with the fashion. And that show touched a lot of people. I mean, it was on all over the world, and I, can't, I can go anywhere, and there's people who remember it, talk about it, say that this is the way I found out about fashion. You know, in Russia, the editor, the editor of Russian L or something said to me that was the only connection we had with international fashion was Fashion File. And so it was important. Um, Still, nobody... I was just whoever holding the microphone. And, and then I think when I, was, when, I, when I said that, that was a little while ago, and that was really... Before, since then, I feel like, God, I, just, I feel like I've done dozens of interviews, and <laughs> I feel like I have no secrets anymore. But it, it wasn't a deliberate thing. It was just really um, much more wanting to communicate my interest in, in mm. that world. And I wasn't important. It was the world that was important. When you said it's, it was never about me, you know, and it was always about sort of writing about what you were reporting on, which was fashion and the way that if you were an art critic, you would write about the art, you wouldn't write about your, yourself as a person. Do you think that is something that has just completely changed? Because I think with things like the proliferation of street style blogs and just, the, as you mentioned, kind of just this boom that's happened in fashion, it is less about the fashion and it's more about the people. I, I think... I think it was always about the people. I just don't think there were um, there were the media that there are now to uh, communicate every little wrinkle and wart of of all those people. Now I think um, you know it's funny that just thinking about Bowie again that that uh, when he was at his sort of Ziggy Stardust height, the only way you ever really saw images of him was in an NME or Melody Maker or something, there was no video or anything. Mm. So you would hear about these incredible performances, but there was absolutely no way that you could know what they looked like. And I think the, the rise first of video and then, and then the internet is obviously, there's an enormous, um, enormous premium on being visual. And there are a lot more ways to, to you know, get, that, get that information out to the world. And I think that, you know, Warhol said, you know, the quote about everybody being famous, in the future everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. I mean, how prophetic. I mean, everybody is famous for, everybody's the star of their own show now. Mm. Um, I mean, the internet has given everybody a voice of any opinion, any description. I mean, it's extraordinary. And, and fashion is kind of made, the fashion world is kind of made for that. That, ex that sort of exposure. Um, what makes a great fashion show? You know, I, c I couldn't... Uh, it's funny that it's something... It's something so intangible. Um, because it's everything together. 
uh, I would say like the, the Joseph Altazara show in New York last season. The minute the music started, I just knew it was going to be an amazing show. And the music was, um, I think it was the soundtrack of Shame. Um, and that music is very, you know, very it, it makes your eyes well up to begin with. But then everything about that show, I mean, I was gaga about that show. The hair and the, the, the makeup, the clothing, the rhythm of the show from the first look to the last, the story that the collection told. But other people didn't feel that way. Mm. So for me, um, it really is just everything coming together. But then there, there are, there are, I've been overwhelmed by spectacle. I mean, John Galliano did some, McQueen did some amazing things. And the, in the olden days, there were incredible Vivian Westwood shows, Jean-Paul Gaultier shows, Martin Sitborn, I mean, mm. way back when. Um, but then on the other hand, very, very rigorous, like a Helmut Lang show, which would just be bare bones, was just, you'd leave and you'd, I mean, you'd feel, you'd feel that your life had somehow been enriched by what had just happened to you. Um, so I, I don't know, I, I couldn't say that there's a set of criteria because I've, I would say the response is always the same. I just go, I don't cry, um, which people, some people do. I you never cried at a show? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I don't really cry at real things very often. Um, but I'm, I remember like Jeffrey Bean shows, for example, um, all those older fashion critics like in the days when Diana Vreeland was still going to fashion shows, they'd come out and they'd be in floods of tears. It was like they'd been to the ballet or the opera or something. Um, and I've, I've been really, really moved and I've been thrilled. Um, but I've never, I've never cried at a fashion show. Mm. I want to talk a little bit, because I know that some of our viewers will be interested in this, is the process of, of you writing a review. Mm. Because I think it's something that, it's obviously a very individual thing, but when you leave a show, do you have like a little set of checkpoints that you do in your head? I've heard you talk about this in previous interviews, and I found it really interesting, and I'm quite intrigued. Well, you know we have to turn it around like that. Exactly. So <laughs> it has to be that first impression. Um, and then you just, you do it, and it just has to go, and that's it. You don't get a chance to go back and change. So. Um, yeah, I'm sitting there looking at something and thinking um, maybe, I suppose I maybe overreact sometimes. Um, but you, you've already got in your head what it is that, um, that you, you're going to say in your 300 words. Um, so what are you looking for? What's kind of anything? I'm looking for, um, I like a good story. Yeah. Um, I... Um, it's not so much that I want to see something I've never seen before, because that's a very, very tall order. Um, but I think designers now, or maybe always, but I think it's even more important now because there's so many more, there's so much more of everything. Um, I, there's, there's a consistency is important. Um, Obviously, there are certain people you've been following them for years, and you, you're thinking about what you saw last time. And there are designers who will completely turn their back on what happened last time. There are designers who will evolve what happened last time. So you're looking for that. You know, you're looking for that thread. It's like a, the latest chapter in in um, a book that you that you've been reading, like a you know a serial. Um, and sometimes this, sometimes the book is a book that 
that you love and you can't wait to see to see the next chapter. And sometimes the book the, the book is something you don't you don't love, and but you're still curious. And I think what's 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 bizarre is that what's interesting and what's reassuring is that I never ever I mean, I, people say this to me a lot. I mean, I must have seen countless thousands of fashion shows in the time I've been doing what I do. And they say, how do you not get bored? You know, how can you just go back every season and sit through another few hundred shows? And the thing is, um, it, is new, it is new every time in, in that uh, the, the idea of consistency, I mentioned it, but when I, if I think about it, actually inconsistency is close to the truth because there'll be a designer I absolutely love one season, the next season I don't like. So, you know, it's, I don't like the collection particularly. So it's, there's always surprise. Um, I guess maybe I look to be surprised. Uh, and I look to be, um, I look to be convinced and I look to be spun a really good yarn. Nice tenor phrase. <laughs> Are you always honest? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not um, a slash and hack person um, I'm on I'm true to myself is that honesty can you do a bad review sort well of yeah I can but like I said I'm not a slash and hack kind of guy so mm -hmm. I you know that there might be a razor blade inside the marshmallow yeah it's true that people get banned people always get banned from shows and 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 that whole you know that weird front row thing, which I just—I I suppose it, you know—it's like the court of a, the court of Louis the Fourteenth or whatever. People love a hierarchy, people love a velvet rope, um, and and you can—it's just always funny watching something which starts as a sort of democratic hodgepodge gradually being stratified into A list, B list, C list, D list. You know, um, like the rave scene, for example, the way that the, the way that. It's human human nature. Mm. I think. I think it's funny. It's human nature to exclude. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's always it's always happened in fashion. I, I, I don't. I, if it's a problem, it's. I don't know. It's it's not a soluble problem. I don't think. I mean, fashion's full of people with very very thin skins and fragile egos, and a lot of people looking to hurt, and a lot of people looking to be hurt. Mm. And um, I mean, no more so than any other industry, I'm sure. But I think maybe it's just a little more, um, it's a little more pointed because fashion is supposed to be about beauty and, and dreams and so on. And mm. so when the dreams become nightmares, um, I think uh, it's, well, it's inevitable that that will happen. And, and I actually think it makes it all a lot more interesting. Do you ever worry, I, I always wonder this when I read how many reviews you do each season and the pace of it, do you ever worry that you'll wake up one day and it won't excite you anymore? No. No, I think if that was going to happen, it would have happened a long, long time ago. I think I'm at a stage in my life where I'm really happy with what I do. I mean, I really love what I do. I love my job. And that's a kind of... Uh, a kind of um, awareness I've come to after doing a lot of other things, you know, over the years, really a lot of weird things. I, I did so many different things. I directed animation once. I did, I mean, I've worked in all sorts. I've worked in music and all, and all sorts of other areas. And, and this is, 
I wouldn't say it's the most fulf- I wouldn't say it's necessarily that it's fulfilling, but it's really, really um, uh, stimulating. You know, it, it, it's even when it's even when it is. Oh, you know, I'm sitting in I'm sitting in a show. I'm like, oh my god, this is exactly like it was ten years ago. It's still there's always something. There'll be a new song that the DJ that the guy does the music plays, or there'll be a new model to kind of fixate on, or. Um, so, no, I will never, ever, I will never, ever wake up in the morning and go, oh, my God, I hate this about any bit of my life. Because, like I said, the alternative is so much worse. And I imagine that the alternative, if I, if I ever reached that point, then it would, be, it would be the alternative that w- was imposing itself on me in some ghastly way. 